it's really nice uh, to be back with you in the new year. Uh, it is always such a blessing uh, when I get to come out to Kintour. Uh, and I'm hoping uh, this term I'll get to do that a lot more. Uh, last term, uh, various reasons, uh, I was kind of uh, healthy most of the time, but uh, hopefully there should be more of a balance this year. Uh, this year, uh, as, we, as we start the year, uh, we are going through a new series. It's a four-week series called Means of Grace. Uh, Means of Grace kind of old-fashioned way uh, of talking about how it is that God blesses us. And some specific ways in which he makes his grace real and evident to us. There are loads. We're only going to go through four. Just one today, thankfully. Uh, today we are looking at scripture. And going forward over the next few weeks, we'll consider prayer, fasting, and gathering. Our hope in this series is that all of these things would point us towards a life in rhythm with Jesus Christ. That we would have these things as priorities, and in that, we would have the blessing of God's grace given to us in Jesus. Today, in thinking on scripture, we're just going to walk through the passage that Grace read to us. So if you have a Bible, uh, please keep it open at 2 Timothy. Uh, we're looking at three, uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 14, to chapter 4, verse 5. Uh, if you're uh, looking down at it, uh, we'll read and we'll just go through it together. Uh, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learnt it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We'll pause there on that verse 15. Uh, and throughout the rest uh, of these verses... There's a whole load of great things and important things and true things Paul says about Scripture. But there's a real purpose in the order that he has put them in. Without verse 15 coming first, what we'd get is a load of true things, a load of important things. But without verse 15, they'd actually end up being meaningless. The thing we need to focus on first and get our heads around first and, and see as most important as primary is that these sacred writings, Scripture, makes us wise for salvation by faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul writes this to Timothy, uh, Timothy being a church leader, a kind of prodigy of Paul, it's still very early days in the church, uh, probably right in kind of mid-60s AD. And so when Paul talks of these sacred writings, he's talking only about the Old Testament. Because these are writings that Timothy, though young, he had from a child. And so none of the New Testament would have been out there. And it is these sacred writings, the Old Testament, which might be surprising, can make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ. As believers today, when we hear about salvation by faith, I hope we can think of a lot of different places in the New Testament we might turn to. Places where it is spelled out for us so quickly and so clearly. But Paul's saying there's far more than just the New Testament to point us to Jesus. But throughout the whole of the Old Testament as well. The Old Testament would have told Timothy, would tell us so many things about salvation by faith. Uh, so one of the first things it shows us is our need for salvation. From sin entering the world with Adam and Eve, from a people of Israel who would repeatedly 
turn away from following what God has commanded them to do. To a people trapped in slavery in desperate needs. Throughout the scriptures we see a people desperately and consistently in need of salvation. And we see too a lot of pictures of this salvation happening. Uh, So think again of Israel trapped in slavery in the Exodus. It is not that they became strong enough or were good enough or obedient enough to free themselves. But their salvation was delivered to them by God. He was the only one who could save. And then think as as they are in the desert and the snakes come to attack them in the camp. As the, as the snakes come to attack them in the camp, uh, they become sick with poisonous snakes. But they are told to look at one thing, a staff put in the middle. And when you look at that, you would be saved. The Old Testament shows them, shows Timothy, shows us our need for salvation and that it is God who saves. But those things on their own, are a blurry picture of salvation. But in Paul's saying salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus that blurry picture has become seeing in HD. Those things that show us something of salvation become clear to us in Jesus. And so that that story with the snakes and and they had to look uh, at the bronze staff in the middle to be saved becomes a lot clearer as we read it when we see, hey, when we look at Jesus Christ on the cross, we are saved, we are healed from our sin. The Old Testament can point us towards our need for salvation, the one salvation comes from, but Jesus Christ is the one who reveals it and gives it fully to us. Uh, Paul in this same letter summarized this news of salvation from faith that the scriptures talk about in the first chapter. I'll read you 2 Timothy 1, 8-10. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which have now been manifested through the appearing of our Saviour Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. Our hope today, and going forward as we consider Scripture, the first place it will point us towards is this death and resurrection of Jesus. That we would at first see our need for saving. That in love, Jesus Christ's death on the cross would pay for our sin. And that his resurrection would give us new life in him. And I hope we would see that not just when it's spelled out so clearly by Paul, but right throughout the whole of Scripture. That his death and resurrection changed the way we can read on every single page. We can see Jesus more for who he is and how salvation is through him. 
And it's entirely possible, and we'll get into more things about Scripture going on, it's entirely possible to know a whole lot about Scripture, but to miss that first part. So at uni, uh, Aberdeen, I studied divinity, and I was very blessed uh, to be at Aberdeen, because most of the faculty are Christian. Uh, A lot of other places, you can study divinity or theology. Uh, So many of the staff uh, are not Christian at all. But the ones who weren't Christian, they know a whole lot more about the Bible than I do. They have PhDs in really specific niche parts of the Bible. They can talk about it for hours. They know so many things about how it was written and when it was written and why it was written. But they don't know Jesus. It's entirely possible for us to sit in church to have gone all the way through children's church and ascend, to be going to church for years and years, to have a great Bible knowledge, but to completely miss Christ Jesus. It happens uh, in the start of the chapter that we're reading in chapter 3. Paul is talking about leaders who rather than love God and love his word, love themselves. And a sad truth he talks about them, he says about them, is verse 7. That they are always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. I really do hope, first and foremost, as we consider scripture, as hopefully we grow to love it more, it'll be because we see Christ Jesus in scripture. The salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, Paul talks about, also tells us that there is absolutely no other salvation on offer. There is no salvation to be achieved by our own good work. There is no salvation from sadness just by aiming for happiness, or salvation from a bad life by just aiming for the good life, or salvation overall because we might earn it. But that salvation is through Christ and Christ alone. And we'll continue uh, looking at these verses. Let's look at verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man or messenger or person of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. When we uh, know we're going to be talking about Scripture, probably this is one of the verses that comes to us first. The old Scriptures be that by God, uh, a pretty famous one. So we're going to walk through it uh, pretty slowly to unpack what it's all about. Now, first phrase, all Scripture is breathed out by God. The breath of God right throughout Scripture is something that does incredibly wonderful things. So think all the way back to Genesis 2. We have God breathing life into the nostrils of Adam. That intimate picture that the breath of God gives life. We have God himself by his breath, by his speaking, creates the whole universe. And we have, as we we read in Colossians, Jesus Christ sustaining the universe by the very power of his words. 
The breath of God produces wonderful things. And so when we see scriptures breathed out by God, we can come with confidence thinking, this is essential, this is beautiful, this is wonderful. And it's also vital, and again it's vital that, that Paul has put it in this order, because the fact that Scripture is breathed out by God means that we can trust it. And so when we put trust in something, it's really important that we can trust it depending on what sort of cost we attach to it. And so as you go to sit down on a chair, you trust that the chair will hold you, but if it doesn't, the worst that happens is you just fall on your butt, and most of us will probably be okay with that. If I was to uh, tell you something that you were going to have to trust in, uh, so uh, I would consider myself an expert on two things potentially. Uh, so one of those is naps. Uh, I could talk for naps about for, for ages. I could answer any question about naps. I think uh, the other is playing frisbee. But even if I considered myself an expert in those things, even if I consider I could give you pretty good advice. You would be crazy, and I would be crazy if I said to stake your life on my advice. That you can trust my advice so much, that you can trust your whole life with it. Scripture's call to us is to trust our whole lives to this God. To deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily. Such a huge call, a bigger call than anything else in the whole universe gives us. And so if we're going to accept that call, to really trust Scripture, to trust God with our whole lives, we better be able to trust what it says. If these were just purely human words, they'd be error, sometimes they'd be wrong, Generally, people, when given great authority, often use it for their own gain. And so we'd think that something as sacred as Scripture, people would do that too. And we know so often throughout history how various leaders have used Scripture for themselves. But because this is God's Word, because He has breathed it out, we can trust and know it is good and it is true. Now that verse continues to say what scripture is profitable for. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good word, good work. Now, there's a lot of overlap in these terms. Uh, they're not meant to be kind of four or, or five or six distinct categories, uh, more rather uh, angles looking at the same sort of diamonds. Uh, the teaching one that we'll consider a bit later when we look at chapter 4. Uh, that reproof, uh, the word kind of means uh, the conviction or the evidence, but also uh, the rebuke, which is pretty similar uh, to the one we get with correction. These things are so important because naturally in our thinking and in our actions, we tend to veer away from Jesus. We tend to veer away from the truth. Without those things, we'd be on a path potentially towards Jesus, but we'd veer off. And without scripture, we wouldn't be able to get back on that path. 
we wouldn't be led back on the path towards Jesus. The idea of rebuke or correcting is something that probably makes us feel pretty uncomfortable. Uh, there are many situations uh, that we are practically kind of in regular life that are just uncomfortable and annoying. And it would be really uncomfortable and really annoying and really wrong if I was to stand here, anybody was to stand here and call out a rebuke that was not based on Scripture. But a rebuke given in love from Scripture is a beautiful thing because it points us right back to Jesus. When we so often veer away, we get to be brought back. And that's one of the blessings of being part of a church family, of walking closely with brothers and sisters, is that they are able to see where we have inevitably fallen short or gone astray. But because Jesus is so good to us, he gives us one another to lead us back on the path towards him. The training in righteousness. And scripture trains us in righteousness primarily by showing us the righteous one. That scripture being all about Jesus shows us Jesus who was perfectly righteous, who fulfilled the whole law, who is our saviour and our example. And scripture calls us to live like him. Scripture shows us the righteous Jesus and tells us how we can live more like him. So that we may be competent and equipped for every good work. I want to read you a few verses from Ephesians chapter 2 that kind of touch on this a little bit more. This will be Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. I'm going to read verse 10 again. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. This salvation by faith that we receive in Jesus, it's not something that just leaves us in a place of being saved to just sit there. But we are saved to do good works. And not just good works that we might think seem like a good idea, but works that have been decided by God right before the beginning of time. And as we think on those things, as we realise what God is calling us to, I wonder if you feel woefully underprepared. So when Jesus commissions uh, his disciples at the end of Matthew to go into all the nations, a people who didn't speak many languages, a people who didn't have much money, a people if you were uh, going to get people to travel across the whole world, you probably wouldn't have picked them. They would have felt 
completely unequipped. Now, I wonder how you feel as you take part in church, as you are part of a church family. Potentially, uh, for years, you've been feeling that you don't quite measure up to the rest of the people in the room. That you can look around and see so many gifted people in so many different things, and you kind of wish that could be you. That God had blessed you in those ways. And there's something good to that. There are so many people in our church who their walk with Jesus is something I really aspire to. But I don't want any of those things to leave us in a place of feeling lesser. Of feeling that God equips us less. Because he gives us the same scripture. And by that scripture, he equips us for every good work. God is, and God will equip you for all the good work that he has called you to do. And so, potentially, potentially you've been spending a lot of time in scripture, and yet you still don't quite feel equipped for what he's calling you to Or perhaps you feel equipped for something, but you're not sure where that fits into the life of the church. Or you're not sure what it is he's equipped you with. I encourage you, first of all, just ask him. Spend time with God and ask him, Lord, what are you calling me to and how have you equipped me? And ask others in the church. I am sure that there are many people in this church who have seen you over weeks or months or years. And could call out so many ways in which God has worked in your life. Even if you're not struggling to see things, it would still be a huge encouragement to just ask others. Hey, how do you see God equipping you? And to be encouraged that he really is and will equip you for everything he's calling you to. I hope in uh, these couple of verses... We've just seen just how important and how vital uh, scripture is to life and life as a Christian. I also want you to consider what would it look like if there was a complete absence of scripture in our lives. Well, I guess we thought a little bit about this in the rebuke bit. That we know that we tend to veer away from Jesus. And if there was no scripture in our lives... That's the direction we keep on heading. That we keep on heading away from him. And so uh, maybe in this year, maybe one of your New Year's kind of goals is to read more scripture. Maybe you're on a Bible reading plan to go through the whole Bible in a year. Whatever works for you and will be different for so many people. Make sure you're spending time with God in scripture. Make sure you're spending time considering God's word together in a group, in a small group, in church. And trust that he will use scripture in your life to do mighty things. And I'll continue on looking at verse 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, 
But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I wonder as you hear the itching ears thing, uh, that idea of just kind of hearing what we want to hear, where or to whom does your mind immediately go to? I suspect for some of us, we're naturally our first thought would be to think of a denomination or a preacher or something that we think kind of misses the mark and just kind of preaches a nicey nicey scripture and misses out so much of it. Uh, for me, uh, my mind kind of goes to those little clips uh, I see on Instagram uh, and kind of reveal my age here, but also occasionally on TikTok of people uh, saying nice things from the Bible, but there's only those nice things that it never really calls me to anything. And there's nothing that's at all hard to hear in that. And it's good for us to be aware uh, of, of these things, that there are uh, churches and denominations that really are just there to itch our ears. But I hope that our first thought uh, should be inwards, to consider how is it that we are tempted to have itching ears? How is it that we are tempted to have itching ears that love a sermon or love scripture for one small part of it, but don't consider it uh, in line with the whole scripture? Uh, So what I mean is, We'll like a sermon if the jokes are funny enough. Or we'll like a sermon uh, if the preacher really goes off on that sin that we don't feel like we're tempted by. And we have that kind of self-righteousness of, oh yeah, those, those other sins, oh, it must be so hard for them. But I'm okay. Now, or, if a, or if a preacher might talk bad enough about enough other churches, but not us. I'm tempted to say, yeah, I like that. Uh, or perhaps, uh, rather uh, than the itching ears being a kind of nicey-nicey Bible that we might hear, potentially we hear the word sovereignty, or wrath, or God's anger, and we think, yeah, this person's really going for it. But then they then miss out on the nicey-nicey parts. As we hear itching ears, consider your heart and yourself. When are you tempted to have your ears itched? When are you tempted to just hear parts of Scripture, but to not consider the whole thing? Paul's also telling Timothy, uh, in the wake of so many uh, different heresies that would be going around at the time, Now, people preaching Gospels different to what Paul would have been preaching. To make sure that his beliefs, his doctrines, are set by the Bible. That though there might be wise philosophers and other people out there who have their own ideas, our foundational beliefs are set by Scripture. And there's so many different things that would be competing Uh, to set our beliefs. The world out there has a whole lot of doctrines that it would love for us to believe. 
You might hear some of these or read some of these. The idea that we should just follow our heart. The idea that we are to put ourselves first. The idea that you do you and it doesn't matter what you do. The idea that you could be cancelled and never forgiven. Or that if you naturally want to do something, you naturally think something, then that's correct. I guarantee that the majority of the world out there believes some or all of these things. And so just in us hearing them so often in TV or, or just talking to friends or whatever it may be, there's a tendency to let them creep into how we do life as a church and life as Christians. To let them set our agendas. Paul tells Timothy, and Paul calls us, make sure our beliefs are set by the beliefs given in the Bible. Paul's also reminding us that no one's authority or their own ideas are equal to what the Bible says. That there are no preachers or ministers or pastors or friends or family members whose own ideas kind of match up to what the Bible says. There will not be some kind of leveling out of the competition. But it is scripture first. And as a church, and we can see other churches or denominations in Scotland that have got this wrong, we don't have the right to put the Bible alongside a list of other things in realizing what we believe. That we do not get to pick and choose some of the world's wisdom or some of what we might think or like or some other nice ideas and maybe some of the Bible. But our theology, our life, our practice is rooted in the scripture. Because the scripture points us to Jesus. All those other things we may hear, those doctrines that the world gives, or even doctrines that churches would preach. Uh, we hear sometimes about the prosperity gospel, the idea that uh, if you follow Jesus, your life, your health, your wealth, everything will be okay. And it sounds good to so many people. But it's not, it doesn't come based in the Bible. And so the very idea, the very term prosperity gospel really uh, becomes a false name. Because it is not true prosperity and it's not gospel because it's not good news at all. These other things, if not rooted in scripture, cannot be gospel. They are not good news that saves, they are bad news that condemns. But in the scripture, we have gospel, we have good news that saves. What it offers us is that thing we talked about at the start, it offers us Jesus. I really hope that this year as church, as individuals, we will spend so much time in scripture. I hope we will learn and grow and be equipped and equip one another and be rebuked and rebuke one another and be trained in righteousness. 
and our hope that will all centre around the person of Jesus. That as we read, we will be shown him, that we will encounter him, that we will hear from him. And when we are tempted to spend our time and our focus on so many other things, or to believe so many other things, would we come back to the one who is far better than all of those? Would we come back to Jesus and see him on every page? Would we not be those who learn but don't arrive at knowledge of the truth? Would we be those who see and know and love Jesus Christ? Would we delight in the amazing news that he has saved us? That he has died for us, that he has risen again for us? Would we trust him? Would we know him? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the gifts of your word to us. Lord, thank you that it makes us wise for salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you that it equips us and trains us and rebukes us and teaches us. Thank you that it continually points us back on the path toward you. Lord, help us as we read it to see you, to hear you speaking to us. Show us more of yourself, more of your son, Jesus. Amen.